Yeah, yay! Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Podcast, the only podcast with two twins that are about to bring the fire flame, flame, fire flame spitter. No, right? Again, for those of you who did not listen to episode one, first of all, go listen to that. Second of all, uh, we are changing studios, exciting development, but in the meantime, we're going to have to come to you via online. I am on a microphone. That's why my voice sounds nice and crispy, fresh, crispy, crispy, fresh, crispy, crispy, fresh. And uh, Michael and Jason are via telephone. Actually, Jason's in my living room. You're not going to reach my telephone. Is that not lady, telephone. Is that a Lady Gaga? Not right telephone. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? He's not singing it like Lady Gaga. He's singing like a nerd-ass weirdo. My telephone. <laughs> I mean, Michael is a nerd-ass weirdo. Anyway, let's let's begin Fuck with off. the first game of the week: the New York Jets taking on the Chicago Bash. Um, the Bears. The Bears. Let's talk about the big news around the Jets: Bilal Powell on the IR. Not only is he on the IR. His coach says this could be a career-ending injury, which sucks for a guy who, as Jet fans, we always thought he never got his fair shake, and he never got the chance he deserved to be a lead back. Um, what do you guys think about the Bilal Powell injury as just, you know, a guy who's injured and also with Trenton Cannon uh, able, possibly able to take that role, and with Elijah McGuire coming back, which one of those guys is a waiver wire add uh, if you're looking to stash for the future? I don't think that Cannon is the guy to own. Uh, I don't think really either need to be owned. Maguire's a guy to go with, though. Paul Powell wasn't necessarily involved in the passing game. He was more of a just second rusher to Crowell, who got a few passes every once in a while. And if you look at it that way, Cannon is a pass game specialist, whereas Elijah Maguire actually you know, can run the ball. And he was pushing Powell for snaps at the end of last season, coming into... This season, there were even rumors that Powell might be cut to save a few million with Maguire taking over his role. So, I think that Maguire has a chance to step into the Powell role. I think that Cannon isn't someone you want to own. Uh, I mean, I'm not rushing to grab either of them, really. But, I don't know. I I like what I've seen out of Trenton Cannon in preseason. and I mean, he's going to be have to play a little bit this week, so we'll see how he performs, but I'm not really rushing for either of those guys, but yeah, I'd probably go with Elijah McGuire if I had to choose. Alright, so let's go to Isaiah Crowell, the same guy in the backfield. How much of a boost does he get with Bilal Powell's injury? So yeah, Crowell gets basically the backfield to himself. Uh, I'd expect Cannon to mix in a little bit, but not too much, probably more likely on passing downs because Crowell's not really been that great of a receiving back. But it's a really bad matchup this week against Chicago, so I don't love him even as the should-be workhorse. I have him as my running back 21. So a low-end running back to just for uh, volume purposes, but not someone I'd be super happy about. This is not the game that you wanted this to happen against Chicago's long 77 rushing yards per game on the ground. Uh, Cannon might mix in for passing work. So Crowell is more of a volume-based running back too, but this definitely helps his outlook. Rather than seeing 
18 carries a game now. He's probably see around 25. Sam Donald had his worst game as a pro last week, 17 for 42 in the air. Um, you're not considering starting him, but you are considering starting his weapons. Robbie Anderson, 3 for 44. Um, what do you feel about Robbie Anderson and Javon Curse? I'm sorry, Jermaine Curse. Uh, 0 for 0. Yeah, well, Robbie Anderson, even with the amount of targets that he had, didn't really do anything. So I think that it's hard to predict any of the Jets wide receivers. I'm not trusting any of them. Sorry for that clicking. That's my heat in my apartment. So, guys, bear with that clicking for a little while. My bad. This is what happens when you have to, when you have to record in your apartment. Things like clicking and shit. <laughs> I mean, we should talk and, over it, right? I mean, no, but Mike, Michael's talking right now. He doesn't even realize he's on mute. <laughs> We got we got some technical difficulties going on. Right, I was on mute trying to figure out if I was the one doing the clicking. And I <laughs> what I was saying, which only this cup right here was listening to, was that Robbie Anderson is actually, I think, a solid wide receiver three play this week in a game where I expect him to get a lot of targets. He had 10 targets last week, albeit it was a tough matchup, and he obviously didn't do much with those targets. But... Chicago is not super effective against the the uh, opposing wide receivers. They're uh, they're the bottom ten in the league in fantasy points. So Robbie Anderson is someone I'd consider. What about Chris Herndon? This is his second straight year of straight game. Sorry, I'm sorry. Second straight game of pretty good fantasy production. Herndon is basically a passing game specialist. He's barely even playing like 15 snaps a game but he's caught a touchdown in two of them. So I think he's putting his name on the map if he does start to play more as a weapon for this offense. But you can't trust him right now. He did get seven targets last week. But he's only playing like 35% of the snaps. The craziest yeah, part okay. for Herndon is that his snaps are going down. Like he went from 50% of the snaps three weeks ago to like 35% this week. Like he's playing better and his snaps are going down. Um, in terms of fantasy points against as well, the Bears in the middle of the pack against the tight end, so it's not a great matchup, but then again, not a matchup where if you had a good tight end, you'd sit him. So Herndon's an interesting option this week. Let's go over to the Bears side of the ball. Mitch Trubisky is a running quarterback. Like, I keep telling people this, and no one wants to listen to me. He is Deshaun Watson. Like, he's more Deshaun Well, more Watson. than Deshaun Watson. He, he only trails Cam Newton in rushing yards. He's basically become a... 50 rushing yard per game type of guy. And when, you have, yeah, and when you have a guy like that, he's going to be fantasy relevant every single week until he can't be anymore. And 6 for 81 and a touchdown on the ground, you're taking that from your running back. And then on top of that, he adds 333 in the air and two touchdowns. Is Mitch Trubisky a guy that you're going to play against a banged up Jets secondary? I agree wholly with what you said. I have him as my sixth quarterback this week. He has at least 4.7 rushing yards, rushing points, sorry, not yards, so at least 47 yards. In each of the last three games, he, I mean, and he's just been efficient through the air, too. It seems like once Trubisky started running, he really got the hang of Matt Nagy's offense. It really added another dimension, and the offense hasn't been one to sleep on. 
So Trubisky is someone I'm loving this week. Uh, I'm. I don't know. I feel like Mitch Trubisky has a scary low floor. Remember, he never surpassed 18 fantasy points up until this three-week onslaught that has just occurred. And uh, still, yeah, beer pong rule, right, Tim? Still, but no. Even with this beer pong rule or whatever, he he's during this time he's ranked by PFF as the worst passer of all NFL quarterbacks. So it's not like he's becoming a better passer. He's just well, been getting big plays and running. Here. We're not arguing if he's the if he's become the sixth best quarterback. Well, we're, we're arguing. But I feel like he has a low floor just because he he does not have a low floor. He his floor right now is five points just from rushing. Yeah, and then this, doesn't his floor go up if he's rushing for fifty yards a game? I'm saying, but I don't like him as a passer at all. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just ends with twelve points. Combined, I don't know. It's 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 very fair to say that when you're dealing with a guy who's in his second year ever, and it's week eight, that it's fair to say that if he's trending upwards and that trend continues. Well, I mean, I have him as my QB thirteen, but it's a whole not, new offense. I let him run. I'm not ranking him in my top half of quarterbacks. Jordan Howard, twelve carries for thirty nine yards and a. Fantasy day saving touchdown. Tariq Cohen, eight for 69 in the air with a touchdown. Uh, all those people who were fooled by Matt Nagy's proclamation that Jordan Howard would be the every down back, um, I'm one of them too, so I feel your pain. Uh, how are you feeling about Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen out of the backfield? This you know, Matt Nagy actually stuck to what he said and gave Jordan Howard the targets in the first couple of weeks. It was just that Jordan Howard did not perform well with those targets, and now Terry Cohen comes in, and I don't think it's a coincidence that in the three games that the Bears' offense has been dynamic and Trubisky has had monster fantasy games, it's with Terry Cohen super involved. He's the 13th overall running back in half PPR leagues as of today. He had 20 touches, 12 touches, and 14 touches the last three weeks. He has a touchdown in each game. He's lining up on the outsiders or receiver, not just in the backfield, and I think Cohen is here to stay as a weekly RB2, and Jordan Howard is now just a low-end RB2 flex fringe touchdown-dependent player. Cohen has, a, has been a top-five running back for three weeks straight now, and like Michael said, it's not a coincidence that it's come when the Bears' offense has gotten better. He just fits Nagy's system better, and Jordan Howard kind of just looks like a plodding back who isn't too dynamic. So I think Jordan Howard is more of a touchdown-dependent RB2, whereas... Uh, Cohen is a pretty safe floor, high-end RB2 back and running back one. We've seen Trey Burton get involved more and more every week, culminating last week, nine receptions for 126 yards and a touchdown. Is this the – is this more the Trey Burton we're going to see, a guy who has the ability to be the Travis Kelsey type, uh, number four overall tight end that we expected him to be in our overall rankings, or does he stay how he was? I think that you could expect a little bit of both. Uh, you can't discount the likes of Kittle and Joku and so forth. But, I mean, Burton has been consistent, and I think that he'll continue to be consistent. He has a role in that offense. It's an offense that's improving, so you need to be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, he's been a solid tight end. Unspectacular, but solid. So, I mean, if you have him, you're still going to be playing him. Uh, 
Bum-ass Allen Robinson, though, continues to be a bum-ass. Uh, I don't see how you could rank him inside your top, like, 30 receivers anymore, ever, really, until he does something. So I I prefer Taylor Gabriel. Allen Robinson is more of a low-ceiling wide receiver three flex play. I agree. Where I'm a little concerned about Taylor Gabriel is I loved him in the Atlanta game because Anthony Miller was out. Um, he still gets work when Miller is out, but it's just not as much. Uh, Anthony Miller gets like a few targets a game that basically just go to Gabriel when he's not playing. So his ceiling is lower with Miller playing right now. So that's just something I'm weary of with Gabriel, but I do pref- I do prefer him to Allen Robinson. Tim so, uh, to talk about other people. He's muted, so I'll just go from here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's no one else. That we hey, there you go. You know, like we're I so said, smooth in the first episode, and now we're Yeah, no, right. you know why? It's past 10 o'clock now. It's past my bedtime. I don't know, man. I'm a, I'm a friend door. <laughs> He's old, dude. What do you mean, whatever that means? Yeah, I'm all Frank Gore. Yeah, I'm all old man. I guess. Man, we just made that joke in the last episode. Get your shit together, bro. All right. Uh, Redskins at uh, Giants is the next game. Uh, one way to describe this game if you're watching on TV. Yeah. But for fantasy purposes, yeah. Let's go to the guys who will probably uh, be good. It's pretty simple. When the Redskins are winning, Adrian Peterson is good. When the Redskins are losing, he has no role in that offense whatsoever. Last week, they were winning 24 carries for 99 yards. Uh, crazy efficient. How do you see uh, Adrian Peterson's role shaking out against the Giants this week? I think AP is actually a super solid RB2 in this matchup. I have him as my running back. Uh, 16, where he's 15th overall for our running backs. He gets the Giants, who just started their fire sale, giving away Snacks Harrison for a fifth-round pick, which is just a super inefficient deal by the Giants. It's really bad. And uh, the Giants already were giving up 120 rushing yards per game, and now losing Snacks Harrison makes them a way less scary run defense. So I think AP could be in for a 100-yard performance this week. I agree. It's been kind of tough to predict game scripts for the Redskins because they'll show up and beat a team and then they'll go and get destroyed by the Saints and so on and so forth. But a game against the Giants is one that basically has AP game script written all over it because there's legitimately no way the Giants take like a 21 nothing lead. So, Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with you on that one. That Giants offense is full of weapons but can't get anything going. They put up one touchdown against the worst pass defense in, in a second worst pass defense in the league. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh fire. Be careful. Um, <laughs> it, let's go to Alex Smith. Uh, he's not, you're not considering starting him ever, right? No, I don't understand how. Alex Smith even has passing yards with the way he has been going. Jordan Reed is no longer a viable tight end option. Uh, I don't see how you could start him at any point, really. He hasn't reached double digits since week one, and even week one he had 12.8, so it's not like he had a huge game. He just last tight end, Jay, he had four targets last week without 
Paul Richardson or Jameson Crowder playing. And it's literally I mean, yeah, I it's every week start Jordan Reed. It's a it's enough of that. No. It, he's done. Well, I agree. We you shouldn't start him. Well yeah, I mean I have him as a high end tight end too. If you score five points, you're basically a high end tight end two. But you're not if you're starting him with a tight end one, you'll be lucky if you get eight points. Yeah. And I'm not starting any of the receivers, no way. Well, if Chris Thompson plays, you play him. What about Capri did if he doesn't? I mean, I don't really like Thompson that much either. It's Thompson, an AP game. Yeah, Thompson has been super inefficient his last two times he played with 2.2 points and 9.2 points. It's just it has not been a good offense by any means. So, yeah, I think it's more AP game, and Thompson's coming off an injury. So I don't like Thompson or Bibbs. All right, so let's move on. Um to the other side of the coin, the Giants, man, the Giants are anemic in every sense of the word. Um, I mean, you're not starting Eli Manning, so I can just pass him by. Saquon Barkley, 14 carries for 43 yards in the touchdown. In the passing game, 9 for 51. Uh, this is obviously a game where Saquon, you can't sit Saquon ever. He's game script proof. Yeah, I mean, he leads running backs in receptions and receiving yards. So even if they're down, he's the number one receiver on that team with OBJ, which is hilarious. So Barkley are always starting. OBJ has at least 25 points in two of three games. He's coming up from his slow start, his typical slow start. So, I mean, while Washington's defense has been very good on the whole, they haven't been giving up a lot of points. They've allowed productive games to Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, etc. So... OBJ can have a day with the Giants, the offense having a bad one. And then if you look at the other options, a lot of Sterling Shepard's production game in garbage time last week, and Evan Ingram hasn't had many targets this season in general. So both are players that I don't love. Ingram I'm not starting at all. Uh, Washington's been good against the tight end. He's not getting enough targets from a bad quarterback to begin with. And then Shepard I don't love is more than a flex play. I know that he's been better lately, but... I feel like a lot of it had to do with garbage time last week against a really bad defense. Eli Manning's not going to put up 299 yards again. So 399, I believe it was. 300. Yeah, he threw for a lot of yards. But listen, I it's I've just come to the conclusion that if you own a Giants player, you just have to be okay with being super upset basically every other week because unless it's Saquon Barkley, if it's OBJ, Shepard, Ingram. Eli Manning is trash. He cannot uh, keep up with... He can't make one of them fantasy relevant sometimes. he There's no way he makes two or three of them fantasy relevant, really. So, I mean, they they all have low floors because of how bad Eli is. And yeah, not really he's going for 400 yards again. Yeah, not really that high of a ceiling either. So, I mean, if you have Shepard, you're probably starting him as like a wide receiver three, but he has a low floor. Ingram, you're probably starting him as a tight end one. But he also has a low floor, and OBJ, if you have him, yeah, but, and then OBJ, you have to play him because of his potential. He's always in the wide receiver one discussion, but we've seen already this year, he could end with like seven points. So, I mean, it's, it's a mess. Yeah, yeah, this is why we said in our, um, in our episodes leading up to the season, You'd rather have a mediocre player on a great offense than a great player on a mediocre offense. And this is why. It's um, not even mediocre. Yeah, it's worse than that. 
Uh, let's go over to the next game, Colts at Raiders. Um, let's start with the easy team. Is there any Raider that you're starting? I think for me, uh, I like Jalen Richard. I think that he sees the most target uptick with Amari Cooper gone. Uh, David Carr, uh, Derek Carr, excuse me, has the least air yards of any quarterback in the league this year, which means a lot of checkdowns. Um, I anticipate a lot of checkdowns. Uh, Jalen Richard, the only the only Raider that I'm venturing out into my lineup. How do you guys feel about the Raiders? I think that Jalen Richard is fool's gold. I think that everyone going to get him and starting him is making an uneducated decision. Uh, if you look at what Marshawn Lynch has done, it hasn't been through the air. And John Gruden has said that Doug Martin's ready for the workhorse role. So I don't see Richard's role changing too much. And even if it does, an extra two or three targets – from a terrible quarterback named Derek Carr, is not going to do much. So if you're going to take a chance on an Oakland running back, I think it's Doug Martin, who should see around 18 carries against the Colts, but he's also not a great play, because the only reason why Marshall Lynch was doing anything for the Raiders is because he was carrying eight people into the end zone at a time, and Doug Martin hasn't been good since 2004, when he was uh, in fucking pro Pop Warner. So I think that Lynch and Richard are both not good plays. I think Richard's a pretty terrible play, to be honest. I'll eat my words if he does well, but I just don't see it happening. And then if you look, uh, Jared Cook, you're starting because tight ends suck. But I think the guy to watch here is Jordy Nelson. I think that Jordy Nelson, he's been very good in the slot, very bad on the outside. So it's going to be interesting to see how he moves around the formation with Cooper out of the way. Cooper moved into the slot a bit this year, about 30% of his snaps. So if this keeps Nelson in the slot, then he could end up being a wide receiver three every week. If it moves him to the outside, then he's going to be a free agent soon. All right, let's continue. Can you guys There you go. Yeah. Uh, I think that the Raiders are soon to be venturing into – Buffalo Bills territory, where maybe one of them could be fantasy viable each week, but they, they already started their fire sale, and they're a really bad team. I wouldn't want anybody on that roster starting in my lineup. Speaking of uh, the, the Bills, the team that beat the Bills last week, the Colts, uh, they are at it again. This time they face the Raiders. Uh, the big story, Marlon Mack, 19 carries for 126 yards and one touchdown. Um is he a guy that you are looking forward to playing this week? Might yeah. Take it away. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, also, I forgot to mention two receptions for 33 yards and another touchdown, so two total touchdowns, and uh, 159 total yards for Marlon Mack. Yeah, Mack came back a couple of weeks ago, uh, had a large share of the backfield, and last week basically put a stranglehold on it, and you can't blame the Colts for giving him the work. He clearly is deserving of it after they could not get any type of running game going with Jordan Wilkins or Naheem Hines. And uh, it looks like he's here to stay as the workhorse. So we have him as our running back 13 this week in a really solid matchup against Oakland. If he's going to repeat a 100-yard rushing performance, it's going to be against the Raiders. I love, I basically love all Indianapolis weapons this week. And when I say all, I mean uh, uh, Luck, Hilton, Ebron and um, Mac. I what think. Luck. What if Jack Doyle comes back? Then, then I'd be lower on Ebron. Uh, Would you play Jack Doyle? 
I know I'd give him another week to get back in a groove of things, but I, I think this is a Lock Hilton blow up matchup this week. Are you just saying that because you offered me Hilton and trade? No, not at all. I think Jason will agree with me. No, I think that Luck has been hasn't been very efficient. He's been tired yeah, of high pass attempts, and I think yeah, that this could be a game where he's phased out in a blowout, and he's not going to see the pass attempts necessary to end up being a quarterback one. So I have him as a quarterback one. It's against the Raiders. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a quarterback one. But this is a game where he can get phased out, and he hasn't been very efficient. All right. All right, let's go on to our next uh, game, right? Next game? Yeah. The 49ers at the Cardinals. Uh, yuck is the official slogan of the 49ers. So let's go to them. Look, I am a Matt Breida owner, and it is killing me that he is not going to be able to face a Cardinals run defense that has given up an average of 150 yards on the ground a game. Um. If he does not start, which he still could start, but if he does not start, who are you leaning towards in that backfield? And where do you Raheem! have to Raheem! That Monster is a great play this week. There is no one you want more on your waiver wire, our number one pickup besides Marlon Mack. But that was cheating a little bit because he's somehow only 56% owned. I have Monster as my 15th running back this week. One thing you can count on is Arizona giving up a lot of points to running backs. San Francisco themselves in week five had 248 yards against Arizona. Mostert's averaging over seven yards per carry. He fits their offense much better than Alfred Morris. I think that he's going to have a very good game. Yeah, uh, I agree with Jason here. I have Brita ranked in my rankings, but I may very well have to change that if he can't go. I think Mostert enters high-end RB2 territory because if he's a workhorse against Arizona, I mean, that's the exact situation that you want to be in if you're running back. Anyone else on this putrid Arizona Cardinals team that you want to... I mean, I'm sorry, we're talking about the 49ers first. Let's let's uh, get in there. Uh, this putrid 49ers passing game, I should say, that you're trying to start. You know, they did uh, play each other in week five, so it was a recent matchup, and now it's only week eight. Kittle went for five receptions and 83 yards in that matchup. I think they'll be more of the same George Kittle is clearly Beathard's favorite target. I think Beathard actually has some flex appeal against Arizona. Back Beathard. when they... Yes, why? Why not? Who has flex appeal? Beathard does not have flex appeal. Uh, my bad. A streaming appeal. Jeez Louise. <laughs> I think he has some streaming appeal because he... Uh, it, when they played a couple of weeks ago and Arizona got their first win, they basically dominated. But since then, they've just been getting murdered by all the teams and their offense and defense just do not look good so i think i think they're in a different scenario here than it was a few weeks ago uh i'm not trusting marquis goodwin who should be locked into patrick peterson for most of the day it's uh mustard and a uh george kittle day for me yeah um what goodwin doesn't even have five targets in a game this season more than that. So he's not someone you're trusting, no matter what cornerback he's facing. All right, uh, let's move on to the Cardinals. If you're a David Johnson owner, what do you do with him? Keep on trucking, kid. Are you excited about the Mike McCoy firing? I mean, 
generally speaking, can only go up, right? Hey, look, Byron Leftwich is his offensive coordinator now, which makes me feel very old because I remember watching Byron Leftwich at, at Marshall breaking his leg and still like attempting to lead a comeback drive with his teammates carrying him. Like I still remember that, and now he's an offensive coordinator. Listen, to be completely honest, I'm a little tired of hearing about David Johnson. I think that people who drafted him are acting like a bunch of babies. He's the 54th-ranked player. He has 92 points. He's basically putting up double digits a week. Is he the study drafted number one? No. But is he the reason why your team is doing bad? No. Yeah, I mean, I'm not against that. I do, obviously, it's been not going great for David Johnson owners. But listen, man, all, all I see, the cool thing to do again, here we go. There's always like a cool thing to do on Twitter from all these fancy guys is go trade for David Johnson. Listen, yeah, Mike McCoy got released. Byron Leftwich is coming in. But everyone's acting like Byron Leftwich is this offensive guru or something as if he's ever done it before. Like, sure, he was a solid NFL quarterback, but what the hell does that have to do with being an offensive coordinator? Let him prove something first. And the Cardinals are still an absolute trash team. So, yeah, David Johnson may end up doing better the rest of the season, sure. But I'm not going to trade for the guy because whoever has him is probably still going to value him as David Johnson of old. So, I mean, just roll with him. Yeah, I, I mean, he shit the bed last week, but it was really his first bed shit of the year. So, I mean, you can't really be that mad at him. Uh, Christian, go ahead. San Fran is a bad rush defense, really. So DJ had two touchdowns against them week five. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a solid, solid opponent. Christian Kirk has been more and more involved as well. Josh Rosen has been throwing to him. He's been a pretty good option in PPR. Is Christian Kirk someone that you're rostering or playing this week? And on top of that, when you're done with Christian Kirk, is there anyone else in this team that you would even consider playing? We have Kirk in flex territory this week just because of their – I mean, he has a pretty low floor, as you can see from last week. He did catch a 75-yard touchdown against San Fran in week five to start the game. So – that's something to keep in mind, but not a Let's not a guy I'd love. Play he's had since, yeah, basically. So I thought that, I thought you were going to say something after since. Yeah, same. Like he was like since no, since. Notable but you might since. since. All right, so let's let's move on to a much more exciting game: the Packers at the Rams. Let's start with the Packers. Uh, good news for Aaron. Uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron. Oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Good news to good news to A-Rod. He's getting his two, uh, number two and number three receivers, Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison, back this week, it looks like. Uh, Devontae Adams has been going absolutely apeshit in the absence of them. But for Devontae, Packer, uh, the Devontae Adams owners, I'm not – don't be scared. I think that this opens up some room for him. Uh, out of these pass catchers, uh, who do you like against the Ram defense who has been susceptible to the big play, especially Marcus Peters? Yeah, I'm just going to hop in and say I love it. I love it all. I think this is a huge Aaron Rodgers week. He had a bye week to get a little bit healthier. He had a bye week for his receivers to get a little healthier. And now he's facing the Rams, and the best Aaron Rodgers has looked this season is when having to come back from a deficit. And against the Rams, you can definitely count on the Packers coming back from a deficit. So I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a very good game, and I think that he's going to have – one of his games where Devontae Adams will be a wide receiver one. I think Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison are both in the wide receiver three conversation. And I think that Jimmy Graham is going to be a tight end one. You know, 
Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are actually nine and a half point underdogs this week. It's the most ever in any Aaron Rodgers game ever. I mean, he has to be seeing that and knowing that it's time to turn up. So I do. I love Aaron Rodgers this week. I love Devontae Adams this week. He's actually our consensus consensus number two overall wide receiver. Allison, I think, is a solid wide receiver three. Graham, tight end one. Randall Cobb is the only one I'm not on board with because outside of the long 75-yard touchdown week one, he's done absolutely nothing basically every other that game. That is true, but his target share was always high. Yeah, I just – coming off – Two missed weeks or three missed weeks from injuries. I'm just, I'm not trusting him. Aaron Jones, uh, eight carries. Jamal Williams, six carries. Ty Montgomery, four carries. Ty Montgomery, two catches. Jamal Williams, one catch. Is there any way to know who in this backfield is going to get the workload? If you look at their touches since Aaron Jones came back, it's Aaron Jones, 36. Jordan Williams, Jamal Williams, 33, Tom Montgomery, 28. I don't want a part of any of that. Yeah, if I'm choosing, I'm obviously choosing Aaron Jones, but not really going to go with any of them. They have a, they have Donald and Sue down there, just more of a passing attack here for, and is what I expect. Jared Goff uh, on the Rams side hasn't been good the last few weeks. Um, are you scared to start him, and would you start a guy like maybe, say, Andy Dalton? Or Baker Mayfield over Jared Goff this week. But the thing is, he has been good. He just hasn't been scoring touchdowns, and that has a lot to do with Todd Gurley being an absolute beast. So when I see Jared Goff as a this week on Fantasy Pros, I get a little angry, and I'm a little angry at Michael for ranking him fourth. I understand that it's a good matchup, but we've seen time and time again that Jared Goff is unreliable, not because he's a bad quarterback, but because Todd Gurley Scores four touchdowns a game. So, to have Jared Goff ranked ahead of people like Cam Newton, uh, Tom Brady and Kirk Cousins in good matchups, Jameis Winston in an amazing matchup, I just don't see it. Uh, I mean, Jared Goff has had blow-up games already this year, and he's done it last year as well. And he's going against Green Bay, dude. The, I wouldn't be surprised if this game ends like 42-34. to 34. So, I don't see how you could possibly rank Jared Goff outside the top 12, which you did. I mean, I'll bet you he's a top 10 quarterback. I mean, no. I'll bet you he's a top 8 quarterback. Hmm. Who are my... Jason, put your hand yeah, yeah, yeah. up. Yeah, everything you just said, you're not... All right. Thank you. Jeez Louise. All right. Uh, Todd Gurley has 15 more rush attempts inside the red zone than anyone else in the league. That's insane. Um, I mean, with the with the Rams, you're starting Gurley, you're starting Woods, you're starting Cooks. Cup, if he's back, you're starting him, but it doesn't look like he's coming back this he's week. He's doubtful, no. Yeah. So, I mean, is there anyone on this team that you're staying away from? No, no. man. You're firing up all of them on all cylinders. Yeah, I'm expecting a big game. They get a lot of high. Uh, it should be a high scoring affair. Love me some Robert Woods taking on the Rams. All right, let's go over to the uh, second-to-last game of the, the week, the Sunday night game, the Saints versus the Viking. They uh, run it back from the from the miracle in Minnesota. Um, let's start with the Saints. Drew Brees has been on fire. Uh, he's on the road, but he plays a Vikings team that uh, you saw him do work against them in the playoffs on the road last year. 
Uh, how are you feeling about Drew Brees against a pretty good defense? That is, and this the, uh, the importance of this cannot be understated, that is getting Everson Griffin back. Uh, you know so I'm surprised by why Drew Brees is so low-ranked here by Jason. There you go. He's talking about golf. I'm talking about Drew Brees. He has him as his 12th quarterback. I have him as my third, as if the Minnesota defense has been anything notable this year compared to last year. It has not been the same at all. And maybe people are down on him because of last week, but the Baltimore defense has been unreal. And now we have what should be a big-time scoring game here, prime-time game. I expect Drew Brees to go off. All right, let me tell you why, first of all. Drew Brees has always been good on the road, not great. Last week he put up 17 points against Baltimore. That's a good game, but it's not a game that you want. You want him to be putting up better numbers. And Minnesota is second in the league in passing yards allowed per game, only 192 per game. So their defense has not been as bad as people think. So I think with all of that being said, Breeze on the road, Vikings underrated defense. It's not crazy to think that Breeze could end as a back-end quarterback. One, I basically put him as 12, saying that if you have him, you're starting him, but you're not excited about it. They have been susceptible to the run. Michael? Yeah, I mean, they have, but so what? Like, <laughs> All right, so let's go on to uh, the receiving uh, core. Michael Thomas, you're obviously playing, but that leads us to the next one. Traquan Smith versus Cam Meredith. Uh, Traquan Smith looks like he is taking over that number two role. Um, what's your outlook for Traquan Smith versus Cam Meredith, and which one of those other guys are you taking your chance on? Yeah, I think it's clearly Traquan Smith. Uh, he got more of the snap share, more of the target share. It was he basically took over the Ted Ginn role, and he's a better player than Ted Ginn. So I'm pretty excited if I'm a Traquan Smith owner. I actually think he's a solid flex play this week against Minnesota, where. I'm expecting Xavier Rhodes, uh, Michael Thomas to get the Xavier Rhodes treatment, which should open up space for guys like Traquan Smith, Alvin Kamara from the backfield. So I wouldn't be surprised if Traquan Smith ends with double jit points. Fancy I'm going to disagree again. I think that Traquan Smith is in the Ted Ginn role and Ted Grin. Ted Ginn, one thing you can count on is that he's going to be absolutely useless on in road games and good at home games. So Traquan Smith is someone that I am... Um, He's way more talented than Ted Ginn. But I would prefer him to Cameron Meredith over the course of the season. He's just not someone I like this week. But I do think that Kamara will be involved in the passing game. That's why I like him so much more than Ingram this week. I think that they're going to attack through the air with Kamara rather than through the ground with Ingram. Yeah, Benjamin, I, agree. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Benjamin Watson scores a touchdown, which means he was fantasy relevant. Uh, any confidence in Benjamin Watson against the Vikings? Tight end two, not really, in the regular tight end starting realm. Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram went back to their running back by committee that they saw last year. Alvin Kamara ended up getting a line share, 17 carries for uh, 64 yards and a touchdown. Mark Ingram, 12 carries for 32 yards. Uh, Alvin Kamara got the goal line carry, which is something Alvin Kamara owners have to be ecstatic about and something that uh, Mark Ingram owners have to be saying to themselves, what the fuck? I waited six weeks, and Kamara gets a goal line carry. Uh, well, that's what else happening at the end of last season as well. What do you guys say about this uh, this duo, not only in this game, but uh, going forward in general? 
Oh, I, I mean, mentioned earlier, I don't love Ingram in this game, and I like Kamara. So. Yeah, I agree. And for the future, it's Alvin Kamara, man. He, he did this last year and was a beast, so I don't see why that changed anything. Like, if I, people, like, after the trade, when I put up the poll, McCaffrey or Kamara, McCaffrey won. I hope people went out there and traded Christian McCaffrey for Alvin Kamara because I'd so much rather have Alvin Kamara. Uh, let's move on to the next uh, team uh, on the other side of this. Adam Thielen is Thielen. an absolute Thielen, excuse me, is an Adam Thielen ridiculous. Is the new Charlie Hennigan. <laughs> okay, I had to throw his name out there. Charlie Hennigan is the name that you're seeing on all these receiving records that Adam Thielen is breaking. <laughs> so Adam Thielen breaking the records of a guy that you never heard of. That's how you know it's an old ass record. Uh, I want to talk about Stefan Diggs, though. Eight for 33, did not have a, a good game. The only thing is he had double-digit double targets again. He's fourth in the league in targets. He's projected to end with 160-plus targets. That is rarefied air. Only three receivers had 160 targets or more last last year. Um, if you're a Stefan Diggs owner, I think the shitty games were something that you prepared yourself for because you know that he has a history of that. Uh, does he get up to Schneid and back on the horse in this one? I mean, look, if I'm a Diggs owner, I'm pissed because, listen, dude, he had 13 targets last week, eight receptions and 33 yards. That's Nelson Aguilar numbers right there. It's disgusting. And it's literally just carries over from last year. And, I mean, now he's probably going to face off against Marshawn Lattimore, the only real cornerback threat on the Saints team. So I don't really like Diggs' outlook for this game either. Hey, hey, Eli Apple's on that team now. Yeah, if you look at um, the games where Peter, where it's Diggs has struggled, it's been against Patrick Peterson, Tredavious White, even Morris Claiborne. So, Marcus Adamore, Diggs lines up outside, so he faces these tougher cornerbacks. So, I wouldn't be surprised if it's another down week. Uh, Captain Kirk against the Saints. Uh, defense that has been absolutely horrible. What was that? Is that a car going by? Yeah. Oh, yo, guys, sorry, before I go into this, I have a neighbor that has a loud-ass chopper. You know what a chopper is? Like a motorcycle that's been chopped, so it makes mad noise. <laughs> oh, my God, what a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, who was that on? Kirk Cousins? Kirk yep. Cousins has been good. Uh, how do you feel about him this week? Fire up Captain Kirk. He's our number three overall quarterback. This game should be a shootout, so... Fire him up. Yeah, I'm going to uh, back up a little bit. I think that Kirk Cousins has been pretty disappointing recently. He hasn't been very good for fantasy purposes. But this is a game where you want to fire him up. The Saints are an absolute beast on the ground, and they get destroyed through the air. They give up their tops in the league in yards per carry and yards allowed per game in rushing. So I think that this is a game where you want to fade Latavius Murray and you want all of Kirk Cousins. Yeah, you're saying uh, Cousins has been a bit disappointing. But uh, Latavius Murray has three touchdowns the last two weeks, so that has a lot to do with it. If those are passing touchdowns, it's a whole different story. And Kirk Cousins, I, I think him and Thielen are, are going to combine for a huge game again. Thielen should go over 100 yards again. And I don't like Latavius Murray really at all this week. I think he's a popular play because of uh, the team he's on and the position he's in. But I think he's more of a flex play, low-end RB2 this week because he gets... The Saints, who have not 
allowed more than 45 rushing yards this year, except for one running back. So, definitely touchdown dependent. What about Kyle Rudolph? How long are you sticking with this guy? Listen, people keep talking about Kyle Rudolph as a disappointment and whatnot. In all reality, his five catches and 40 yards per game is a must-start tight end. Let's be real. It's been, it's been down the last couple of weeks, though. So Like, really down. It's, it's against the Saints this week and what should be a shootout. If it doesn't go right this game, then it's disheartening for sure. Our final game is the Bills at the Patriots, our favorite part of the week, because guess what? For the Bills, oh, yeah. you, who wants to do the honors this week? I'll do it. I'll do it. I right, right. Sean McCoy, so he can't even throw his name out there. So nobody starts on the Bills. No Bills. Zero. Don't Moving start on. Him. Moving to on. To the Patriots. No electric. No gas. No water. <laughs> no Bills. Imagine if we, had, we could live without any Bills. That would Wouldn't be that be nice? That would but, be I mean, much. real talk, though, Chris Ivory probably has some flex appeal, but that's about it. Uh, let's go on to the Patriots. Uh, all right, so I'm I'm very interested in this running back situation, not because I am a Sony Michelle owner in multiple leagues, uh, also because I'm not a believer in Kenyon Barner being able to produce what Sony Michelle uh, has produced. Let me explain. So Sony Michelle has is a big bruising back, one cut downhill between the tackles. Kenyon Barner's a little guy. He's very small. Kenyon, thought it was Kenjin. No, Kenyon. I think it's Kenyon. The J is... Yeah, it's Kenyon Barner. Why? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, uh, Kenyon Barner, 5'9", 190, not a big guy, not your, not your average between-the-tackle type guy. It's not as if, like, Jeremy Hill, who was is on the Patriots, but he's on IR, is taking the place of Sonny Michelle. Then I want him. But I saw a lot of people spend a lot of fab on Kenyon Barner this week, and I was just like... Ah, I think that's a mistake. I wouldn't go near him. I think, I think the Patriots uh, make a makeshift running game out of the passing game this week. I think James Weiss is the beneficiary. Did I spend a lot of fab on Barner? No, absolutely not. I wouldn't even. I would have spent two dollars on a max. But I do think that he has played this week. I think that this is a thing that I want to make a bet with Michael before we started playing because I have him ranked. You know, I twenty seven, and Michael doesn't even rank him as top four. Yeah, I have a. I seem to have skipped over Ken John Barner or Kenyon Barner, so I'm probably going to have to fix that. But oh, okay, he... because I think that against the Bills, it's pretty impossible for him not to get enough work to be at least a solid flex play. So you're saying they're, the they're going to be running out the clock. He did get 10 carries last week. Yeah. Yo, a little pro tip. Patriots at home against the Bills week 16. Yeah. Um, let's turn to the passing game. Uh, Josh Gordon, four for a hundred. He's becoming more and more part of this offense. He just missed a touchdown last game. Uh, I don't love him this week because of Tredavious White and Josh Gordon. Just he he should have had a long touchdown on his long reception, but he got caught because he just wasn't running fast enough, and he's still working on his conditioning and. Quit the weed. Stay off the weed. But yeah, that's a tough match. I think this is a huge James White game as usual nowadays. He had 10 targets last week, which was a team high, and uh, 11 carries, which was a team high as well without Sonny Michelle there. 
He had two touchdowns and 97 yards. I see him getting 20 touches again this week. I think he's a super solid mid-range RB1. Um, but Imagine I, the way we'd be talking about James White if he had this exact season and his name was Le'Veon Bell. I was gonna, and also, James White has been a like leader in that locker room. He's someone that's been there for a long time, has won championships, has been a major player in a lot of championship games. And... He's the leader. Like, he's willing to take on this role. And, I, yeah, James White is having a phenomenal year. One of the he's better really pickups I've ever made. Yeah, he's really good. So, keep firing him up as an RB1. I think that this game might suffer from a little bit of out-of-hand quickliness. Sharp and Deacon. That's the new <laughs> word. And what the hell are you talking about? I don't know. Out-of-handedness. Does that work? Yeah. Yeah. All right, it might suffer from outer-handedness. Outerness. I'm just going to stop trying to say it. I think that the Patriots might go up like 21-zip quickly. Brady will get you 16 points in a quarter and then not give you much else. Gronk, uh, it wouldn't even make sense, honestly. I, even if he's healthy, the Patriots might be smarter just leave him in, leaving him on the sideline. And then Josh Gordon has to deal with Tredavious White. I think Edelman and White are the guys you want this week. Yeah, Edelman for sure. I love Edelman this week. Yeah, uh, Edelman definitely is the receiver I want to own because he should be getting most of the work with Josh Gordon being caught up with Tredavious White. Even Chris Hogan has some flex appeal because apparently he only does well when he has a bunch of other weapons around him. I mean, it makes sense. He's not a guy who can get open by himself. He's a scheme guy. I I, I said this when when – when they signed Josh Gordon, like, I think it's a good sign for Chris Hogan. There's nowhere to go but up, and he's going to get open more. Yeah, he's been pretty solid. He's still not relevant, weeks. though. I mean, he's been okay the last couple of weeks. You're going to start him? Possibly in the flex. I don't see the volume for him to be started. I think Barton sure. is going to be a better play. Especially, sorry, especially if Gronk is out, then Hogan is more interesting. Jason, you're a good-looking kid. I'm glad to say, but I'm looking at you in this in this FaceTime right now. You're fucking ugly right now, bro. What's going on? I don't know what I'm gonna say. I'm I'm in a hoodie. I'm I'm cold. It's like you're super like the super ugly right now. In my face. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. You're just super ugly. You know, if you flare your nostrils, <laughs> you automatically become like 48 times uglier. It's like a proven fact. Like all you gotta do is flare your nostrils, and it's like, yo, you you dumb ugly. All right, so we're getting off track here. Uh, yo, Jason, where can they find your ugly face? At Jason Petra. Michael? At Mike underscore Petra. You can find all of us at Brodo Fantasy, and you can visit our website, BrotoFantasy.com, but only if you like winning. Um, we've got some things coming up for you soon. It's coming. They're coming. We love you. Winter is coming. We will talk to you soon, but with that, enjoy your week. I hope you win, and see you. Later. Peace.